Hello and welcome to NFTs Live. I'm your host, Tyler D, and I'm joined today by Skyhook for a very special episode. Sky, how are you doing? Are you ready for this one? Yeah, happy holidays, Tyler. Um, fun doing this show with you. This is kind of um, maybe one of our, our lead up ideas that we've been building since we launched NFTs Live. You know, this is, you know, a vision that you've created and, and something you've been passionate about all summer is, you know, talking with and, and cultivating into the, the art world um, and really getting to know a lot of these artists. So it's a special treat we have in store for our audience and ourselves. I'm giddy here. Me too. It's really exciting to see this come to fruition. Uh, so for our listeners and viewers, we are very excited to do our first interview with a top artist in the NFT and crypto art space, Alpha Centauri Kid. For some background on Alpha Centauri Kid or ACK, as I'll, refer, as I'll refer to him for the rest of the interview, he is absolutely one of the top rising stars in the digital art, NFT, crypto art space. He describes himself as a conceptual artist using the format that makes the most sense to tell his stories. Though he's been making digital art for years, he made his first big splash on the NFT scene, NFT scene earlier this year, joining the foundation platform in March where he published his first pieces. He has been fairly prolific in his creation since his debut, including 19 creations on foundation and dozens on OpenSea including his famous trilogy of editions pieces, as well as several one-of-ones that have attracted the, the attention of the absolute top collectors in the NFT space. He then went on to set the Genesis sale record on Super Rare this year, selling his piece Control-Alt-Generate for 165 Ethereum, which was $587,000 or so, a record for new artist sales on the Super Rare platform. He is well known for his meme-based artistic style and rapid turnaround times, and of course, his infamous muse. In fact, his Twitter bio says, letting the whispers of the muse guide my way. We can't wait to hear his story and learn more about his journey. ACK, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, guys. I'm super happy to be here, and I appreciate you know the whole team, and I'm very thrilled. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's awesome to have you on. So let's get started. <clears throat> to frame up the interview a bit, we want to take a look at your body of work this year and highlight some iconic pieces. We'll do some screen sharing. We then want to cool. talk about relationships with some other artists and collectors, as well as your thoughts on the future, both for the space as well as yourself. But we have to start with your background. We want to hear your story. So we'd love just to hear from you for a bit and just talk about how you got started in digital art, conceptual art, and then we can take it from there. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. And uh, <clears throat> I appreciate the introduction. And yeah, so I guess um, I've been making art like my whole life, essentially, since I was a kid and class. Well, I'm, I'm self-taught uh, pianist and I, you know, classically trained, but by myself. And um, so I kind of always had both. And but they would be separate. So I would be, I'd be making music or I'd be doing art. And then in March, when I realized like, oh wow, you know, I can do both like together, it kind of, you know, a light bulb went off, like, okay, this is for me. I need to dive in. And um, I saw Beeple's art and I saw X Copy's art. They were the first two people that kind of introed me to the space with their art. 
so I kind of dove in and um and yeah <clears throat> I worked now that the cat's out of the bag I worked for the government for um 15 years for homeland security <laughs> and uh me and you know I'm in my office every day for eight nine ten hours but I'm usually just doing art and making memes and whatever for the past 15 years just for fun and um so yeah it kind of paid off for me but um but yeah, so earlier in March, you know, I put my first piece up. Um, it was on OpenSea. It's an old wallet that I don't use anymore. But um, but like a few weeks later, I got a sell. It was like, I think for 0.01, it was like 30 bucks or something. And I was like, wow, okay, this is someone spent $30 on my art. It might've been 0.1, which was like, I don't know, $100. I can't remember, but, um, but I was shocked. I was like, oh, this is crazy. So then, you know, I... I just kept making, you know, some more pieces and by April, um, I got, I got uh, a piece sold by, I mean, sold to Barat Primo or Primo. Um, mm -hmm. and he was the first big collector to buy my work. And then, um, and then G money came in after that and he bought a piece from me on foundation, but, um, I'm kind of skipping. So like my very first piece on foundation was bought by a famous uh, soccer player and um kinsey he's on i'll have to share his uh his twitter but um i will probably see it when we when we show the piece but um but yeah so um yeah background i was I work for the government making art just um, just for fun and making music just for fun and when i realized what nfts were i brought them together and and you know started my my journey so i want to get into that a little bit more um, so when you talk about the light bulb went off in your head that you could combine music with your art, mm -hmm. do you feel like that's one of your defining styles? Do you have music as, as a component of most of your pieces? Do you, do you start with the music component in mind or kind of what, what's your framework for combining those two? So, yeah, like I want to, like for me as a musician and, uh, you know, an artist, I like to. I like to tell the full story because I feel like if I use like one of my golden rules is to not let anyone else do music for me or to like score a scene for me because I want to give the collector the full experience that I'm the full vision for me. So yeah, so like if I if I have a piece um, like right click print, um, for instance, I made the scene and then I sat there with it for a few days and then I would just I was playing piano and then finally the right melody came to me and yeah, I just went with it. Usually I just wait for a feeling to dictate how it's going to go. But um, yeah, for the most part, I'll, I'll build the scene and then I'll, I'll score the music after. Uh, yeah. Very interesting. Um, <clears throat> the other piece I wanted to hit on a, a bit is some of your inspiration. So you mentioned Beeple and mm -hmm. X copy, I guess, tell us a little bit more about how you drew inspiration from them. Was it any contact or dialogue or was it more just you know from afar and and looking yeah. at, at the art that they created and their success yeah, go ahead. yeah so yeah i saw people's big sale in march and um and i i you know instantly loved his meme art like like the buzz light year and all that stuff and i just i just really liked it and then and then as i looked into the space more i became aware of x copy and I don't know if it's noticeable, but I kind, I kind of try to draw from, I don't try to draw from them too, but you know, they're both my, two of my inspirations. So it's probably a little bit obvious that 
I like to mix 3D with glitch art. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I never spoke to them before, um, before my collab with Xcopy in July, but um, yeah, I would just kind of sit back and just look at the space and, uh, you know, and just see what felt right. I, I was to, the, go ahead, go ahead. no, I was just gonna, gonna ask from, you know, being an, an outsider looking into the community, seeing both of these guys success early on and what they're doing, what was the first step for you into getting into uh, the NFTs actually, you know, just actually taking the leap, you, you sold your first one in March, you said, you know, but how was, yeah. you know, uploading and getting into this side of it for the first time? Good question. Yeah. So uh, I'm fortunately I'm like, I'm really, I'm really good at figuring things out. So I had never, I was in, I had some Dogecoin and I had a little bit of Ethereum just from the market. Cause I, I listened to a few guys, a few pins of mine who, um, who are investors in crypto. So I had a Coinbase wallet and, um, and that's what I used to make my first NFT on OpenSea. So yeah, I connected my wallet and um, <clears throat> I had a piece that I had made. It was like, it was a Photoshop of PewDiePie, the YouTuber, and he's centered in this, this um, it's like a famous painting of, I think, Louis XIV. And, um, where, and it's a painting of a painting where Louis XIV is in the center and there's all these other characters around the scene. So I just Photoshopped all the other big YouTubers in it on they're all, it seems like they're all upset with PewDiePie. And I, I you know, I just did it for fun and I listed it and, um, and yeah, it sold, you know, within a couple of weeks and I was just in shock. Like there's no way someone wants to pay hundred dollars for this. <laughs> so but it was, it was a good, it was a good experience, like getting in and just, it was relatively easy for me. The first step's always so important. So playing that back, Dogecoin is one of the first dominoes that led <laughs> to the prolific yeah. creations of the AC, ACK artists this year. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, a meme coin led to a, you know, a meme artist essentially. It's a, it's a great story. For um, sure. I, I have to hear, you know, what, what is that feeling like, you know, when, when you've sold your first piece and you get that, you know, your item sold email, it well, like has to be some ecstasy in there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was in shock. I remember, I remember I was in the living room with my kids and my wife was in the kitchen. I got the notification and I'm like, Oh, Oh shit. She's like, what? I'm like, someone just spent a hundred dollars on my art and she kind of just rolled her eyes and walked away. <laughs> and now, you know, now I'm full time and she's fully supportive and she's, she's always been supportive, but she thought oh, it's just another thing he's going to do. Cause I've always just done stuff. So, yeah. Well, you mentioned that in, you know, balancing this career, creating art with mm. your full-time government job. I mean, it feels like it had, had to have been a lot um to, to balance yeah. and to keep on top of so maybe maybe tell us a little bit how that's been you know starting in march and then april when your pieces started selling and then still kind of going to you know a, a day job every day what was that experience like um it was i was getting minimal sleep like because i i didn't really want to work on it i mean i would work on it at work you know to be totally honest i would spend at least four or five hours if i had a piece i'm working on um like, uh, let me think, like Lonely Neighborhood Spider Pepe, I made all at work on my laptop. And uh, <laughs> yeah, because I'm trying to, you know, to fill in the time because I don't like taking away from my kids and my family. 
so yeah, I would usually work on that there or, and I would get home and I would spend time with family and then I would stay up super late till one or two every night, just working on art with no promise of like anything. Like <clears throat> I didn't ever expect to be in the position I'm at now. I just did it because the vision was there and I wanted to to fulfill it and make the art. But yeah, it was pretty grueling for a while. And, but I just, I enjoyed it. I mean, um, seeing the, the, the pieces come to fruition was, you know, a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, that, that definitely has to, to make it a bit easier. I think it's a sentiment that several of us who have kind of left our corporate jobs this year can share. You know, yeah. Certainly I was in a similar boat, uh, mainly just from trading NFTs and whatnot, but was doing it, you know, multitasking at work, was doing it at night after right. the kids went to bed and it got really tiring. And I was getting, you know, certainly close to, to burning out. Were you experiencing any you know, feelings yes. of burnout there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what led me to depart the workforce because I told my wife, I was, I just can't do both anymore. Like, and I don't want to miss opportunities here in this space because you know, I'm in the tungsten Dow now and like we're meme you know we're pretty meme efficient so like if something comes up I want to be able to you know participate and and do my part so yeah I mean we, we've seen a your your rapid turnaround times but it's important <laughs> in this space I mean this space moves it is. It at is. the speed of lightning and yes. a meme a meme might be relevant for 24 hours before mm -hmm. the next one so definitely well, that makes a ton of sense. I, I feel like we've gotten a good sense now for your background and we've started alluding to, you know, some of your more iconic pieces for this year, but why don't we go into a little bit more detail, especially for our listeners and viewers uh, who may not be as familiar with your work. Um, so I'm going to start, I'm going to pull up your foundation page to start here. Uh, and we'll send out the, all the links in our show notes for everyone. Uh, what I like about foundation is it, it lists all of the pieces automatically in chronological order. So Definitely. the pieces we're seeing up top are from later in the summer. I'm going to scroll down. So I want to get to some of the earlier pieces here. Um, so as we scroll down, first piece uh, listed here, Mars circa 2069. Uh, you mentioned this sold to Quincy. Uh, yes. who may, may be a soccer player. So I think this is a, a portrait of Elon sitting on Mars, you know, as, as a king in 2069. Tell us a little bit about this piece. Yeah, so um, obviously being Dogecoin, you know, <laughs> uh, early, um, and I'm a big fan of Elon. And um, I had the idea for the piece as him as like the emperor of Mars. And, um, and yeah, so, you know, I just... I kind of started with photoshops with him and I sat there with it and I thought, you know, it'd be cool to have some rockets in the background. And I just started working the piece. And of course I incorporated a doge eagle next to Elon. And, um, and yeah, I, for this one, I already had the music, so, and, but it just worked so well for me. And, uh, and yeah. And then the, the very final touch was I put people in the, you know, on the shield on the bottom where Elon's stepping on. And um, I just thought it was a fun piece. And, and this one was cool because um, I had no idea. I, I never had interacted with, with Quincy before. And I got the notification that um, your art has been auctioned. And I was like, and I was, I mean, it was 0. 0.6, I think. Yeah. Uh, at the time. Yeah, 0. 0.6. And, um, and yeah, so I freaked out and I couldn't believe it. 
Do you know how he found it? Like, have you had that conversation, how he came across? Oh, hey, I'm sorry. The sound cut off. Oh, there we are. Perfect. Do cool. you know how Quincy came across it? Mm. I think it might have been Instagram. Um, mm. I, was, I was sharing stuff on Instagram back then a little bit. And uh, don't ask me why, but... Um, <laughs> But I just hashtagged it, you know, NFTs, this or that. And, and I think also, it could have also just been uh, foundation was good back then about um, just listing new artists. So like I, it might, maybe it just popped up on his feed or I'm not quite sure. I want to touch on that just quickly. <clears throat> you kind of mentioned your regrets or whatnot. Are you still publishing pieces to Instagram or are you primarily no. Twitter now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't really. I'll post a meme or two on Instagram here and there, but I, I really could care less about it. Similar. I, I started my, my first real NFT feed content feed was on Instagram and I quickly saw the reactions or lack yeah. of reactions yeah, exactly. engagement I was getting. So quickly moved on. Uh, exactly. You know, it's funny. You mentioned it's kind of stepping on people's face. I, I didn't, I missed that when I was looking at this piece. So it, I saw something new and then, so kind of talk to us about what happened from there. So you, did you have other pieces already in the works or you sold this piece like, hey, I'm going to start making some more. Like, how did you get to start at and Elon destroys people in this next wave? Um, yeah, so, so Quincy actually bought two. He bought that one and then he bought um, my very next piece called Stardad. And um, that one we had kind of talked like after he bought my first one, I, I found who he was and I DM'd him like, hey, thanks so much. And and we got to talking a bit and he said he wanted another piece for me. So, um, so I kind of just made this one for him um, just like as a gesture. I mean, I guess a commission you could say. And yeah, so he bought that. And then, and then um, my very next piece was Elon destroys people, but that didn't sell until after I had already done the X copy collapse. So that one's set. But then my, the one after that is my punk party um the g money piece and i had never interacted with g money before that but um i listed it and i tagged them on twitter um and yeah and he bought it and then after i didn't know he bought it until after i tweeted like oh damn someone bought my my punk party piece and he said hey it was me and we kind of started a relationship there and, and he started supporting me he bought a few pieces from me and um yeah so i mean nothing really major happened from there i just you know, it was, I was selling for really cheap, like 0.5 or 0.1 or 0.2 and just continuing to build and just try to create cool stuff. I want to quickly touch on the relationship piece because it's so reflective of this new Web3 paradigm that we're, that we're in where kind of the boundaries have kind of fallen between artists and collectors. So, you know, you sell your first piece to Quincy and then one of your very first thoughts is to DM him. Uh, to yeah. start a conversation and I feel like that's just so it feels so new to me I, again I don't have a oh, huge okay. background in traditional art but yeah. I feel like the, the conversations that artists are having with collectors and you know forward outreach is such a hallmark of this space and to me it, it's uh it builds bonds and oh, for sure it, it, it makes me like artists more the ones that I have chances to you know relate to and, and conversate with um, yeah so it's really cool to, to see that. Do you, 
do you reach out and have conversations with a lot of your buyers or is it more um, in your early stages or no yeah yeah especially now like um i'm i'm pretty like i i have you know like often i often converse with my collectors and my investors now like back then i tried to be more reserved like if someone if someone bought like you know, it was my first piece, so I was just overly excited. But like, I, I tried not to bother G Money because I mean, yeah, yeah. Like he bought me, he bought my piece, but he was G Money, and he's still G Money. You know what I mean? So like, I didn't want to be bugging him. And, but um, but yeah, we would we would chit chat, and I, I I had a print made for him, and I sent it to him. Like those were the kind of conversations I was having with him. But now, you know, me and G Money are cool. I could I could hit him up whenever. But um, but yeah, during that phase, um, I didn't really. I tried to just be respectful and not overstep, you know, the DM boundaries, but, um, but yeah, now it's, it's more relaxed for sure. Did you have a, an idea of the pedigree of these, these early collectors for you? I mean, you think about, you know, Barat and G money and then what is now, you know, six, five, two, nine and, and anonymous, yeah. you know, so many of these people that you know, Tyler and I, and many just respect as the, the pinnacle of, of collectors out there. Did you have an idea of, of that being your early investors? Um, at the time I knew G money was like, I knew he was an important figure in the space, but um, I didn't understand the scope of it. I don't think like, I didn't understand how important it was that, you know, he collected for me at the time and Barat as well. Cause look, you know, Barat's one of the men, like he's, he has an you know, amazing collector the foresight to collect early too. Yeah. I'd love to, to maybe understand from their side of things, you know, yeah. how, what, are, what are they looking in these early investments? You know, they, they spot people, you know, very successful artists very early on and, you know, sticking with that, that of course has been financially rewarding, but also I think a bond from, from your side of things that gets you Definitely. both to a higher level. It's very interesting. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm thinking back, I don't know, like, would I have bought this if someone DM? I don't know. I mean, maybe, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably. I hope. <laughs> so, I mean, it was great marketing. His his pictures front and center, and then just quick context for our audience who may not know G Money. He's absolutely one of the OGs in the NFT space. Uh, has hundreds of squiggles, huge, beautiful punk collection, um, and he also just famously is a big partner in that Adidas deal that went nuclear and made some really big headlines here this year. Um, so definitely a, a top collector and one that it, it's great to see their name as an owner in your portfolio definitely. as you scroll through this. I, I want to go and highlight a few other pieces. Um, so one I want to touch on, this might be a little more selfish, 8146 Punk Lane. <clears throat> so we're going to show this, this piece here in its page. So you start with zooming in on a beanie crypto punk then you've got the, the cartoon character strolling through. He's now in a, in a museum. We see some some of the, the classic party meme where it's, you know, the the bubbles over the person's head. You know, they don't know that I'm yeah. XXX, right? right? So, you know, you've got CryptoPunks in the piece. You've got the animation. You've got three scenes. And it it's, it's like it's telling a story. Um, so are, are you able to maybe kind of talk to us a little bit about what that story is or, or what you were, you know, hoping to, uh, you know, share or communicate? With yeah. You? Yeah. So, so this was my very second piece in, uh, in cinema 4d. So like, um, my first several pieces were just Photoshop, but then I thought, you know, this, this is kind of limiting for me. I want to be able to tell more stories. So yeah, I, I downloaded 
Cinema 4D and um, and yeah, and I, this was my very second piece. So I just started, I started with the Beanie Punk because we all know Beanie was, you know, he mm-hmm. still is, is a, a, you know, important figure as well. So, and I, I just, I thought it would be cool to have his punk as a building and like a hotel in this punk city or whatever it is. And um, I just kind of wanted to tell a story of what could be going on inside the hotel essentially. And I used my, my infamous cat character and Morty and, and just kind of just went with it. And, and I even, yeah, you can see, I put the G money piece on a big frame in there and (laughs) yeah, just kind of just have fun with it. And um, that one didn't sell for the longest time. Actually that one, I ended, that one, I ended up, uh, I ended up gifting uh, me and Beanie did like a, like a raffle essentially. And I ended up oh, wow. gifting it to someone in the punks discord early on back before the punks comics, like way early. I was going to ask, so you can see the, the listing price history starting listing at three goes down to one for a little mm-hmm. bit. It's 0.5 and then it's completely unlisted until it's transferred to, to laser Viking. Um, you yeah. know, almost a month after um, it was minted originally on here. So that's, that's really unique to see how that ended up coming up. And of course, you know, now, you know, priced out at 140 for a reserve, you know, it's just, um, yeah. it's a crazy story behind that one. For sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it shows that, you know, a success didn't come overnight. Right. No. So like you, you yeah. created this piece and then it kind of sat there mm-hmm. and ultimately you, you gave it away. What my side of the story for this piece is, you know, I, got to, to know about you through some of your open sea pieces specifically some of the editions and then from there went backwards and started looking at your one of ones this is the first one of one of yours that i found uh actually when it was still listed at 35 ETH in mid-august and this is when the nft markets were going crazy i was quite okay. a bit more liquid at the time and i was actually yeah. p- making plans to potentially purchase this one because I, I love this piece i love the story it tells and the, the tie-in to crypto punks I, I knew it would be important and then, as you can see, uh, listed for 35, three days later, unlisted, and then <laughs> relisted for 200 ETH. Uh, so we'll, we'll see, yeah. uh, you know, if he continues to come down a bit. But okay, yeah, he might. <clears throat> I wonder, I wonder what was, I wonder what happened from the 11th. Maybe I, maybe I had a huge sell. I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to go check. Yeah, but man, it was a, a good, good pull by him because certainly that this piece would have sold at that price. Um, so then let's, let's talk about your, your journey continuing. So, you know, you continue making pieces, you build out your portfolio on a foundation, yeah. you're selling, but you know, that they're selling likely on the lower end. Yeah. Then in August, you met Lonely Neighborhood Spider Pepe. And we're going to show the piece here. Uh, and then this, this gets bought by Vincent Van Doe for what is this? 40, 46? Yeah, so, yeah, so this was my first one of one after the X copy collab. So okay. obviously there was a bit more notoriety there, but um, and a bit more buzz. But uh, yeah, so actually um, Ice, Ice Bags, Milkman, and Ds, they won the piece, but Vince ended up hitting them up after like, hey man, I really want the piece. How can we work this out? So Vince ended up buying it for like one like the 10% higher, like one more bid higher from them. And um, cause we didn't, I didn't know Vince actually had won that pegs. 
I just wanted to make a piece surrounding the pegs. So the, the day before was the big peg sale. Mm. So that was kind of the motivation for the space. Plus, I just thought it would be funny to see a, a stalker or Spider-Man DMing, I mean, texting Mary Jane, like nonstop. And, um, and yeah, so yeah, so Vince, Vince did walk away with it, but those guys were in a bidding war and, and um, yeah, it was cool. It was my first bidding war. It was, and we were up to like 2 a.m. that night. I, I, I remember didn't... your tweets. I remember them well. Yeah. Kind of, that <laughs> yeah. was when I first, as well as Tyler, you know, really came aware of what you were doing. And that night, oh, okay. just lighting it on fire. You know, that was yes, kind of my, was... my introduction. I'll never forget that night for sure. And also to help set the stage for folks. So Vincent Van Doe now, you know, one of the most famous NFT collectors. He started Starry Night Fund, the first large NFT investment fund, um, Starry Night Cap. Um, but mid-August, this is really when he had just come onto the scene and he was making huge splashes with, you know, really high purchases and sales. And then everyone started following him. So I think this purchase and then him acquiring this piece certainly was a headline event for, for sure. you. Yes. And then what now, just two weeks later, you came out with this next piece, Draw Me Like One of Your French Girls, minted on August 23rd um, and then this might be an anonymous winner it went to, we, it went to three AC okay yeah but yeah so you know I mean um to follow up yeah I made this one and then there was I was you know I listed it at four with the four ETH reserve I had no idea what to expect and then the of course the meme bids start kicking in and I was just in shock that you know, it was going up this high and um, yeah. And it sold for 60, which was my highest, I mean, from 46 to 60. And I was just in shock. Like I couldn't believe it, but um, yeah, I love this piece. I mean, I, I sat there with it for a while. I, I had the idea for quite some time and I just started building. I, I started with the couch and with her and then just started building the room. And yeah, I scored the music the very last thing. And um, I'm really attached to this piece. It's one of my favorites. And then this, the the water aspect or what appears to be a flooded room of some kind. Yeah. This appears to be kind of one of your hallmarks and, and we'll see it as well in the additions we're about to go through. Sure. Uh, is there any theme there that you can speak to or, or, or kind of why you decided to use that as a, a recurring so, theme or is it a mystery? Um. I mean, what I, what I will say is like the term flooded is, is like you, it can be used for like emotions. Like if you're flooded with emotions, that's kind of where I draw the inspiration from it. So mm. yeah, I try to, I try to incorporate it in ways. I mean, plus aesthetically, I just, I love it. Like flooding a room is just something that, that aesthetically pleasing to me and finding a cool way to do it. So yeah, that's kind of what I'll speak to on that. I feel like the animated flooding too, it, it really is aesthetic and it, it's peaceful and it's calming in a lot of ways. For I feel sure. like it would be harder to pull off in a still piece. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Definitely. But, so that was, that's the last piece you had published on foundation. It kind of feels like there was a shift where you started spending a little bit more time creating pieces for OpenSea. And mm. I, I want to highlight your hallmark trilogy of additions so we've, we've alluded to this piece a few times already in the conversation but showing right now last orders this is an addition of 27 
this is the first in the trilogy and this is your collaboration with X copy. Uh, yeah. You know, I'd love to hear a little bit more about this piece and, and really how you even approached X copy for the collab. Mm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget this moment for, you know, the rest of my life, but yeah. So I had just come off the cell of my piece on foundation called, um, declaration of independent contracts. And, um, if you go through my foundation, you'll see it, but it's a, it's a piece surrounding Richard and, um, you know, back then manifold was all the hype just as it is now. And everybody wanted a manifold contract, you know, all the top artists had like, like fuck render had one. Um, let me think who else, uh, several big artists had one. And of course I wanted one. So did some of my friends and and it was, um, it was Independence Day and I was at the store and I thought, you know what, let me do a piece called Declaration of Independent Contracts. So I went home, made the piece and I listed it. And um, <clears throat> it's kind of a controversy because I, list, I listed it and then Richard DM'd me like, hey, my co-founder wants to buy the piece. I think he's gonna bid on it, but you think you could change that zombie that you put in there twice? I was like, I didn't put a zombie in there twice. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah you did. So I went back and looked, I'm like, oh shit. Well, okay. So I, I called my brother. Hey man, bring me my laptop. I need to fix this piece. So he rushed <laughs> my laptop to me. I'm out watching fireworks with my kids. This is why. And and by the time I got my laptop, another collector of mine just he he kicked off the auction. So that bam, the oh, piece no. was fr yeah. So it got frozen on the on the blockchain. So now that's it. So I was like, oh damn, Richard's not gonna bid on it now. I just ruined my career. And um and, but I'm, I'm friends with um, Alex Gausman, the, um, the creator of NFTX, and he owned that zombie that I put in there twice. So <clears throat> I DM'd him like, hey, man, I accidentally put your top hat zombie in here twice. And I was telling him like, dude, I, I don't think Richard's going to bid on it now. And he's like, dude, fuck that. I'm going to bid on it. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so he went and bid <laughs> on it because he liked the fact that the, the, the zombie was in there twice. and and then. Like as the bidding was going on, his top hat zombie sold for the record breaking zombie sell like of all time. Wow. So, so then he started fighting for the piece because it was more like sentimental for him. So he got into a little bidding war with, with Richard and the co-founder of um, Manifold, um, Eric. Eric, Eric, the co-founder ended up taking the piece, but, um, but yeah, so I had that historic sell for me, which sold for 2.1, which is my biggest sell at the time. Prior to that, I was selling for like 0.5 or 0.1. And I would hang out in X Copies Discord all the time, which was called Bar, and um, which I'm sure you're aware of. And yes. uh, so I was, a, I was a frequent member of the bar and I had just had the big sell and I told X Copy, hey man, I just had my biggest sell. Um, I was like, I have this idea for a piece called X Copy. I mean, for, for a bar scene called X Copies. And uh, I was like, do you mind if I use the, if I use X copy as the name of the bar? And he's like, hell yeah, man, go for it. So I'm like, you know what? Let me DM this guy and see if he'll make a piece for the screen for me. Cause obviously he's like, I'm like his biggest fan. Like I've loved, like, he's my favorite artist of all time. So, um, so I DM'd him this long paragraph. I shot my shot. Like, Hey man, look, I'm going to make a 3d bar scene. And I would be absolutely like thrilled if you made just like static, something static, anything, a glitch piece. I don't care if it's two dots, whatever, just anything I can use for the TV screen. Like it would mean the world to me. 
and I pitched, you know, this long pitch. And then in Discord, you can see like if they're typing or not. So I'm watching him. I'm watching that little bubble. I'm staring at it like, oh, he's going to say no, like, fuck off, whatever. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, and then as soon as, as soon as I saw his reply, he said, yeah, man, let's do it. I'll make, he's like, I'll make the screens, just make the bar and, uh, and let's do this. So I'm like, so I rushed home from work, started building the scene. And, um, <clears throat> and I thought, you know what, obviously his piece, um, uh, right click save as guy, like, I love that piece. So I thought, you know, let me make him in 3d. So I started working that and then I sent him the first rough draft and he was like, Oh man, I love it. He's like, I love, I love right click. You did so good with him. And yeah. And we just started a relationship and, um, is the coolest guy in the world. Like he has the most knowledge. It's just weird. Like he can suggest a couple simple things and it just completely changes the whole scene. And, and we worked on it together for about a good seven, eight days, I think. Wow. That's yeah, such a long cool, story. No, it's, it's a great story. I mean, X-Copy, you know, on a pedestal, one of the top crypto artists ever. For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, a leading visionary. It's also like how thematic of, of again, this new NFT paradigm that you just reach out on Discord in his public yeah. Discord group. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you build this relationship and then you guys work together on this piece. Uh, it's really cool. I'm, I am curious. Like, have you kept up a relationship with Xcopy? Do you guys talk much? You know, since yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, collab? yeah, we'll DM like, you know, I don't, not every day or anything, but like every mm -hmm. couple weeks I'll hit them up or, you know, um, just chit chat here and there. How's the fam? Stuff like that. I or I'll get you. Yeah. No, go ahead. I get his, like, if I'm really struggling with an idea, I'll, I'll hit him up and ask his advice. And he's always very cool about it. But what were you saying? No, I, I was just wrapping my head around the foresight from both sides, you know, being from you asking the question, sitting there with the, the anxiety waiting for yeah. it. But, you know, again, the the impact we mentioned that collectors can have earlier, but that, you know, a top tier artist can can change the momentum of what, you know, we know comes over the sure. next few months. And and it's either a are there people who aren't vulnerable enough to ask those questions to top tier mm. artists because maybe they're looking for it or b you know how does if they're those questions are flooding in how do they allow it for it you know i i listened to one of your past interviews and i know it's something you want to do down the line when you have the time of being able to collab with some of artists that are on the rise and you know yeah. the ability to to add that in, inside your portfolio and your future um to such foresight by by both sides of you guys you know asking those questions and the risk taken yeah so i know with him he said he liked the randomness of it and he asked to see my work before he agreed like he said hey but when i told him about my my big sale he's oh cool can i see it and so i sent it to him and then after i sent it to him is when i shot my shot but um he said he liked the randomness of it like how i kind of just strolled into his bar and asked and he said he also wanted to support me on my first manifold piece so that that was my that was part of my pitch is like, Hey, I just got accepted into manifold. And there was only like me and five other artists at the time. And, um, so he wanted to support that. And man, I'm perhaps he liked the art as well. Um, and I think that helped his decision-making and yeah, for myself, I'm not really waiting for the same situation. I mean, the same, um, I doubt a similar situation will happen, but I do, I do get asked a lot. Hey, let's DM, let's DM. And I'm, I'm trying to be thoughtful about it and, I want it to be the right time, the right, the right kind of vibe. And 
um, you know, I, I'm, I have a few plans to collab with. There's a few artists that I'm kind of talking to for 2022. So, yeah. It'll be exciting to look out for that. And I also want to uh, come back to that manifold piece as well. I mean, that's going to play a, a really important part here in, a, in some future pieces down the line. But I, sure. I want to take us back to this trilogy. So we've got the, you know, right out of the gate coming so strong with this collab with the X copy. It's a set of 27, then right click print. It's an addition set of 15. So you've now reduced the supply a bit. It's, you know, similar. It's got some of the glitch art uh, <clears throat> in the, the style of the piece. We also see the, the flooded room. We've got the piano. Any, any other, you know, parts of your thought process that went into this piece? Here is the second step of this trilogy that you can share. Yeah, so um, so obviously the I was we we're super happy with how Last Orders came out, and X Copy really like all the materials you see, like the bar mats, the 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 labels, the arcade textures. Like he touched everything. Like I, you know, I helped of course. I it was like a legit 50-50 collab, which I was really happy with because you you would expect like he might be like here here's the screens and here you figure it out but no that he wasn't like that at all he was like super making sure like hey man you know let's do this right so anyway yeah so i was at epic piece and i sat for a while not knowing how what to do next because how do you follow up an x copy collab as an artist like myself nobody really knew me 90% of my collectors came after that like they saw the X copy drop and then they, they wanted to support me as well. So I'm like, damn, all these eyes on me, I got to really, I got to outdo myself here. So, <clears throat> and I, I thought, you know what, I want to tell more of right click story. Like, why, why is he like this? Like, why does he right click save all our shit? And I thought, eh, you know, let me, let me do a, let me do a piece where he's right click printing and, you know, let's see what his house would look like. And I just kind of started with him. I like right click print is just an extension of the bar. So like I built the mm. bar, but I also built the side of like I built it into like a house. So if like in 3D world, if I just take the the bar and I turn it, bam, we have right click print right there. So yeah, I'll, I'll have to share that sometime. But yeah, so I just started building it and I knew I wanted a, a piece uh, to actually get printed from the printer and I had a few ideas and Usually with scenes like that, you just start building and they, they come together. And um, I was really proud of that one because it was like my follow-up, like my, hey, it was like a test for me. Like, am I good enough to continue this on my own? And I was really, you know, really happy with the outcome. And I think the, the market speaks to that you passed the test. So this edition started, you know, rising in, in price on the secondary sales. So uh, yeah. the primary sales, I don't, I don't recall if it was 0.25 or 0.5 or, or what the price point it was. It was 0.6, no, 0.8. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, you know, relatively high for what your pieces have been going for, you know, especially as an addition. But then we saw these selling in the low single digits, selling for five, six, you know, the, the floor, I think, got over 20 ETH at, at one point over the summer. And then it was all leading up to the, the last piece in the trilogy. It was titled Control Alt Generate. And it, became your Genesis piece on Superware. So the first piece that you minted to that platform, Superware being, you know, I'd say that the, the primary platform for crypto art where the top artists are, yeah. are minting their pieces. So, you know, this is you know a big accomplishment, a big step forward is going on to 
this platform. And at this point, you, you have now caught the attention of some top collectors. Yeah. And the way this played out, we saw a bidding war with some of the absolute <clears throat> top names in the NFT collector, visual art collecting space. We have Zalaxy Vault outbid by Cosimo de Medici, outbid by Starry Night, outbid by Punk6529, who ended up taking the piece for 165 ETH, which set the record for the, the primary sale of a new artist on Super Rare. So walk us through, you know, your reactions to, you know, kind of what happened, what was going through your mind? Sure. Like, did you expect this? Oh, no, no, I didn't expect it. Um, yeah, I think you know, my highest sell prior to that was, uh, well, I mean, this piece took me two months to make, by the way. So um, I set with it, you know, I, I worked on it so hard and I put so much into it. Um, I was, I set the reserve at, um, well, Anonymix, the, the collector Anonymix, um, friend of mine, and he wanted to do the honors of kicking the auction off for me, which was, you know, I, I will forever be grateful. And so he, he kicked it off and then, yeah. And then the bid started coming in and, um, I knew six, five, two, nine wanted it. I didn't know how bad, but, uh, I knew he wanted it cause he wanted to win the trilogy. And, um, and I knew starry night wanted it as well. And, um, yeah, so I was just, I was really shocked that it went up so high and very thankful. And it, it means a lot to like, to circle back to Super Rare. I started with X Copy, you know, and to come back to Super Rare, like with, with his character, like, like as my debut, it was, you know, it was very impactful for me. I think this piece will, you know, go down and be remembered as iconic and representative of the time. As you know, as we look at the piece, you know, clearly you've, you've incorporated some of the Grail Art Blocks pieces. Um, yeah. We've got the the Golden Goose Ringer. We've got a few other ringers. I believe what could be an archetype cube there. Um, yeah. Was was that your intent to kind of highlight some of the you know the Art Blocks? Yeah. Mania that we saw, or kind of what was your thought process? I wanted to show him like. I wanted to kind of reference like he's like he's kind of manufacturing the memes of production kind of a thing like he's he's generating the memes of production in a sense like he's in his he's in his warehouse his factory he's he's you know he's generating art blocks because I had done right he's already right click saved he's already right click printed and I wanted to like have a good take on art blocks and and just show my character in his dark little dungeon and just having fun and but yeah. So, so many hidden gems. I think my favorite yeah. is going over to the piano, seeing it with the music mm. going, you know, mm. just such attention to detail that you could spend hours looking at this and, and notice something new, you know, every time. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was, that was the last thing I did was, it was important for me to have, like, I, I, I played the piano and the music, the drums, everything. And then um, I exported the actual MIDI notes and I put them on the screens there because I and and the it's actually playing in real time along with it so that was important for me to like finalize the piece to have that you know tie in together amazing so you you didn't just stop here like it would have been very oh, easy to <laughs> oh god um but I, I want to talk you know about some of the innovative styles that you've brought to the space oh, you mean the very next day <laughs> <laughs> a light switch that night yep uh, yeah so very soon after we saw your scarcity piece which you sold the the piece 
along with a and it came with a cold wallet that had essentially a mystery box of additional pieces i hadn't seen uh, an artist do anything like that yet um and then not immediately after but but a month or two down the line uh the iconic piece till death do us part i want to read the description this piece of art will be ever changing as long as i'm alive it will only be truly finished the day that i die i hope that is hundreds of years from now as the scene grows i'll update the metadata to the current stage of the build it will be a remarkable piece of art to say the least um, and if i have it correct with the timeline of it so this the the till death do us apart was immediately after the idea yeah. at least sprung to you right immediately after uh your, yeah. your super rare record yeah so timeline wise um scarcity came out before my uh before control alt generate okay so that happened okay. yeah that, that happened in in the in between it was one of those where i had an idea while i was still working on control alt, but um i had this idea to to make a piece and then and like within the piece if you win the piece you win the the cold wallet you win the seed phrase of the cold wallet and inside that cold wallet nobody knew but there was four other pieces and um it just seemed like a cool fun thing to do and yeah and that piece got surprisingly surprisingly bid it was my highest sell at the time 64. <laughs> yeah and um that was bought by alex the uh, nftx guy okay yeah so the, but yeah so then so i had that i thought that was a fun experiment and he he ended up selling one of the nfts from that cold wallet to starry night um for 35 or 40 something like that and um and anyway yeah so then then the super rare genesis and then the very next day after super rare genesis i, I did till death goes part well, wow, I didn't realize it was really the, the, the next day. That is is wild. Yeah. So yeah, it was it wasn't my intention to be honest. I I listed it for two hundred. Hope like I didn't want to have a back to back sale because it's not really a common thing. Um, but I listed it for two hundred, thinking it might sit for a month or two or maybe forever. But old DVD came in with the little <laughs> snipe like five minutes later and, and sniped it. Yeah, snap sold for two hundred ETH. You don't see that happen too much. Um, the, the piece I want to touch on is like, what is the role of, of Manifold and your ability to change metadata of a piece in an ongoing fashion? So as, as we see the properties of this piece in OpenSea, we can pull down the drop-down menu. We can see now it's got 11 properties. This is you know, how you are continuing to edit and, and change the piece. Um, I guess, yeah. talk to us a little bit about that, that process and kind of where you got the ideas. From. Yeah, so... Yeah, so I was coming off the huge, the biggest sell of my life and ecstatic. And I, I was sitting here like, hmm, what am I going to do now? And I just thought, you know what, let me, just for aesthetic purposes, I thought, you know, I want to see what a, just a table with a glass of, with a glass of wine and an empty base looks like. So I made it and then, yeah, the idea kind of hit me. You know what, list this for sale as a continual work of art and you'll continue to update it for the rest of your life. And then, yeah, and then I got the idea for the title till death to us part and um and then um yeah so uh i listed it and i was i was kind of reluctant like man i don't i don't want to i don't want to like rain on my own parade not rain on it but i don't want to just outdo myself this quickly but i doubt it's going to sell so i listed it and i didn't even share it like well i mean i did tweet it but 
um, I wasn't expecting anybody to really do anything. And yeah, then Vince came in and bought it. But, but yeah, Manifold's role, like they created it to where you can edit the NFTs um, as often as you want using Etherscan. So you'll go into Etherscan and you'll, you'll write new contract and you'll update the metadata. And there's also other ways you can do it like with code, but, um, but now their studio, it, it simplifies everything. You just go in and click on the NFT and click edit. So it's very simplified. And that's the new release that I think just came out in the, in the past week or so, at least for more, yes. more publicly available. So that's going to be a game changer uh, for those who aren't as familiar. We'll link it in our show notes, but Manifold is doing a lot of things to drive the space forward. Definitely. If I, if I understand correct too, I mean, Richard's role in having a motivating factor to you on some of the evolution of pieces, like, does that come back to the double zombie piece? I wonder, you know, where it was locked in and you couldn't edit it and they wanted it, you know, it all kind of came full circle. I bet, I bet, I bet, yeah, I bet that was one of his driving uh, factors because he, he was, he said, he's like, dude, that double zombie really bugs me. So and it, lo it locked like that. So it's like, no, that's no, perfect ability. Okay. That's cool. It very well could be. Yeah. This certainly isn't the last time that you've, that you've changed a piece or had an eternal. So you've got uh, the ethereal rose, um, right, right, piece, which is an, another evolving piece. Is that also did Starry Night get that one, or is that BBD? Starry Night, yeah, yeah, yeah. Starry Night got that one. Are you worried yeah, about so, balancing all these ever evolving pieces, or well, are you gonna are you gonna limit yourself? Yeah. So, yeah. So the rose is, is on its own. It does its own thing. Like I don't ever have to touch it. Oh, so right. yeah, it, it, that one, that one is one is timeless, the rose. And then one ends with me, which is uh, till death. So yeah, like till death, till death's one, it's really fun because when I'm just in a void kind of, I'll, I'll just sit and work on it and just have fun and just create and I can do anything like, it's it's essentially just a blank canvas for me to just do whatever I want. Like I can have a, I can have somebody playing piano. I can turn, I can just, I, you know, the, the limits are, um, there is no limits really, but yeah, the rose, it's already been coded and it will just do its own thing forever and ever and ever. As long as there's a blockchain, it will just evolve. Very cool. So two very different types of ever evolving pieces. Yeah. Very innovative. But I do plan on limiting that. Like I don't I don't really want to make that a thing. Like it was cool then and like it's 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 my life work, but I don't want to keep doing it because you know I want to continue to innovate and push new boundaries. Of course, one metadata change that we have to quickly touch on and then we'll we'll move on to our last segment. So this piece, Girl with the Piano, it uh, went yes. on auction here just a few weeks back um the piece sold and then essentially rugged the piece you know using yeah the twitter sphere term the piece changed it would previously been a girl holding a red piano that was floating in the air and now it's pepe with a balloon the title of the piece changed as well uh then you've got a tagline on the piece sorry my muse can't be bought or sold tell us just yeah. you know quick 30 60 seconds about about this piece so yeah um Ever since I saw Banksy's shredding of the girl with the balloon, I, I knew if I ever get into Christie's, I have to do the digital equivalent of that. So I made girl with the piano and I was hoping it would allude to Christie's like, oh, is this guy going to rug us? But they never, <laughs> they just liked the art. So, okay, they didn't, they didn't guess. 
and um, no one really guessed. And, and I was also kind of not very happy with their, how they displayed my work. Like I went to Christie's and it was, it was supposed to be on one of the bigger screens and um, they put it on one of the smaller screens. And, you know, it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a controversy, but things happened. So I didn't really hold against them, but it was, it also felt better to rug them after because uh, yeah, I felt, I felt a little bit disrespected by how they treated my art. Cause I put my muse in the piece and I'm like, okay, you absolutely, they absolutely don't deserve to have my muse in a piece. And it, it just, it, I was always going to rug them, but it just made it feel a little bit better. You know, I, I, I get the sense that, you know, you've got an edge about you and it comes out in, in your work. Um, but it's also kind of, it seems a bit like you might have a chip on your shoulder. Uh, <laughs> is, is that, is that fair to say? I know a lot of, you know, people driven people in the world do, and that's one of their, their primary drivers of success. So I'm curious to, um, I mean, I, some, I, I like to, to lean on vengeance a little bit, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know who the chip is directed at, but, like I'm very thankful and appreciative and humble and and res like I try to be respectful, but yeah, I think it's it does play a little bit of a driving factor for me. I loved it um, on your your past interview that I had listened um, to. I just put the quotes on. I wrote it down. You just said, "I want to shake things up." At the end of the day, you know that is exactly yeah. what you've done, and I think it's in in my head it switched in a sense when when Vince bought that that till death do us apart snap. And it was like, okay, you know, manifold and yourself, you, you've now changed what you can do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I want to, um, innovating, like, like even with additions, when I think about, I know a lot of my, my, my ACK fam, they want another addition, but I'm thinking like, man, I just, I want to do something new and different. I want to find a better way to make additions because to me, additions can be a bit boring. So I want to continue pushing that and find new shit to do. That's a great segue into kind of our final topic. One is we've got about five minutes left. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the future. So, you know, what, what's next for ACK? Are there any plans, at least high level that you can share with us? Um, yeah. So I'm working, I mean, I have, I have my next super rare plan for, for Valentine's day. So um, yeah, I'm working um, it's ready to go, but it, it needs to be done on Valentine's day. I can't really say any much, you know, much more about it. But other than that, you know, I have a few ideas. I'm working on a collection, like a big collection, maybe like a 999 type of a collection, and um, you know, fairly priced, just to get, you know, more, just to let people get into the to the ACK fam and have some exposure, and also, but it's not PFP. Like I just, I wouldn't personally, I wouldn't be able to do a PFP project because I'm just like, ugh, you know, another. How many times can I see laser eyes on something? It just, you know, gets a bit old to me, but I want to do something new and different, of course. And I have, I have a really good idea. So I'm working that. And we're also working on a, a really cool airdrop for my holders. That's more of like a game. And you have to, I don't, I don't want to say much more, but it'll be very cool for my holders. And I think it'll be a lot of fun for the space because it's never been done before. So that should be January, February. Wow, that's intriguing. We'll definitely be watching that. I will say, refreshing a little bit to hear, you know, no go on the PFP. The the rhetoric from a few months ago was, you know, eventually the good artists are going to come in and do PFPs. It's going to blow the old PFPs out of the water. Well, now that this market is now flooded, we've got Xcopy, yeah. Coldy, a lot of money, and now Hackatow this week, right? Yeah, who are yeah, dropping yeah. their PFPs and and they're cool, but now it feels like we need a break. 
from that sure. a, a bit in the market. So <clears throat> we'll be very interesting. I do, I do love the grifters, of course, by the way. So grifters are great. Oh, what, I'm a big fan. Thing, it's my PFP as well. I, I wanted to come. I guess I'll, I'll ask the question um, as we keep closing out here, but how do you, you do everything yourself. You know, it's, it's, you're the artist you're creating and you've had a few different style of drops of yeah. gas wars as things have picked up. Mm. You tried to do a raffle with some of the pre ACK work um, that you had. Um, you now say a collection of nine ninety nine to get more into the family. You know, how does, I'll always remember you like, like burning some of the last Teslas and oh, um, yeah. galaxy yeah. runs because it was a lot of stress, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not what you do or what you enjoy about the space. So how does bringing more into the family work side by side with not having to deal with the stress of drops and worry about making everyone happy? Cause you never can. Yeah. So, so my, my tentative plan would be to whitelist all of my, you know, with Manifold, they'll be able to whitelist per contract. So we can whitelist all of my current holders, like for the 999 drop, um, we'd be able to whitelist them and I would let them buy for like a, like a discount and then public sell. It would just have to be just, it is what it is like gas. Like I, I know there's a new way to write the code to where the gas isn't ridiculous. So I would definitely incorporate that because um, it's important for me to not have people get burned. Yep. But, um, but yeah, as far as I've done both. And like you said, like people complaining, like, ah, it's just, it's like, so it's so much for me. Like, I just want to make cool art. And it, when the complaints start blowing up in my discord and people getting so upset, like, you know, like with the, with the Tesla coins and the, the galaxy runs, I just like, you know what, screw it. I'm burning the rest because, you know, the goal is to just make cool art and also to make people happy and, and have good investment opportunities. Well, it's okay. We really appreciate your time. Any closing comments or thoughts you want to share with our listeners? I feel like we've kind of rounded out the discussion. Yeah, no, um, thank you for having me. It's been great. And I've always appreciated every time y'all y'all mentioned me on the show. And uh, Yeah, I, I should have some really interesting stuff coming out, you know, February, February, March, hopefully January. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be on Twitter if anybody wants to hit me up. Yeah, well, We'll, we'll definitely be here and following it and highlighting it on our show. So uh, thank you. Look up for that. But all right, to our listeners, viewers, that's our show for today. What a show it was. ACK, thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. Thank you. Um, we really you appreciate find it. Man. This at was Alpha <laughs> thank you, you so much. At Alpha Centauri Kid on Twitter. We'll also post the Super Rare OpenSea Foundation links in our show notes. Thanks to Skyhook, as always, for joining, to our viewers for tuning in. We'll be back with live shows in the new year. This will be our last show for 2021. So stay tuned for that. But till then, we wish everyone a happy new year and stay safe in those NFT streets. Goodbye. <laughs>